Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic, and miracles within. If you're a spiritual professional and have been building your skills and knowledge for years and feel ready to share this wisdom with the world, then the Afterlight Institute wants to work with you. If you want to create your very own online course without having to worry and stress about the technology and the marketing, then you are strongly urged to apply. All the details can be found at theafterlightinstitute.com. Right, Lauren Grace here, and welcome to the Afterlight. My guest today is Caleb Turner. He is a professional astrologer, a tarot reader, and Scotland's leading palmist. From taking interest as a child and learning to read cards as a teenager, he started his own business, Fortune by Caleb, in 2018. Caleb found palmistry in his early 20s and has made it his life passion. Beyond advising clients on their future, he now teaches both tarot and palm reading, and he is currently writing a new book on palmistry. Caleb is joining me today to talk about all things palmistry. Is your left hand different from your right hand? Can you change the lines in your hand? What kind of information can we discern from looking at the palms of our hands? And how did he get introduced to it? Caleb, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to happy to chat. Okay, so we need to go back before we go forward, because I always like to find out a little yes. bit of the history of my guests to find out what, you know, originally got them interested what got them on the spiritual path, what got them interested in spirituality and whole. So can you talk to me about how that began for you? Yeah, I I don't think it really began. I think it was always there, which I think is the case with a lot of people kind of in the the spiritual field, whatever they're doing. Um, As a child, I was kind of upset. I always explain it the same way. You know, when you're a child, there's there's two holidays that matter. There's Halloween and there's Christmas. Uh, and I was one of those Halloween kids, you know. I always kind of loved Halloween. I was always into magical archetypes and the kind of the the darker or more occult side of things, even as a child. Um, I think I bought my first book on witchcraft when I was like eight years old, which I think, um, you know, is pretty young. It was maybe a little beyond me <laughs> uh, at that age. Um, but even even as a child, I got my first tarot card reading at 10 years old. And so the interest was always there for me. Um, I do think I kind of dropped out of it a little bit as I kind of uh, entered high school. We, we go to high school at like age 12 here. We only have two schools. Okay. Um, it kind of dropped out for me a little bit just because other things took an interest, you know, as a teenager. Yes. <laughs> um, you fall in with the wrong crowd and all that. But then I think I was 17 when I started reading tarot cards and it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, I don't think it was until my early 20s until I was really ready to commit spiritually uh you know like a lifestyle rather than just uh just a practice or just a hobby um i would say i was probably 22 uh when i had the big sort of turnaround uh and i'm 27 now so it's going it's going pretty strong (laughs) that's awesome so let's talk about the tarot thing just for a second so did you you know sort of gravitate and buy your own deck or did somebody present you with that as a gift and you went oh wait i'm actually ready to get back into this yeah, I got it as a gift. And um, I think, uh, although we're not going to focus on tarot today, I think that's a big superstition that people think you have yeah. to be gifted your first deck, or you shouldn't yes. buy your own cards. 
um, personally, I'm, I'm not of that superstition. Um, my first egg was gifted to me. My mum got it for me as a, as a birthday present. Um, but I'm not of the mindset that you have to be gifted whatsoever a tarot card deck. Um, I think if you're interested, that's for you. Um, yeah, so I'd say I'd say get right into it. Um, but I started reading tarot when I was about 17. Nothing too serious, um, you know, for myself or friends, uh, usually when we're drunk, <laughs> yeah, uh, that kind of thing. But it probably took four or five years before I really kind of committed to the study of tarot um, and, you know, kind of daily use and daily practice and, and reading for strangers. Yeah. I do want to ask you a little bit, you sort of mentioned there that you, you know, there was a period of time when you weren't necessarily committed to the spiritual path, and now you're more committed to the spiritual path. What do you need to do to change to be on the spiritual path versus not? I mean, would you change your eating habits? Would you change your alcohol consumption? Would you change about, you know, the way that you show up in the world, the, the way you speak? What kind of things did you have to sort of modify there to to kind of embrace the spiritual path differently than what you were doing previously? That's a really good question because I think the big turning point for me was when I was 22. It was literally a week after my 22nd birthday, which is a pretty, um, you know, auspicious number. Uh, but within one week, I did all of those things. I, I think in the space of a week, uh, I went vegan after 21 years of eating meat. Uh, I quit smoking cigarettes after eight years of smoking. I got sober after kind of like a decade of, you know, weekly intoxication, if not daily. Um, for me, it was like a big detox with an awakening because a lot of it was about self-care and, and self-love. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think that people who eat a certain diet, you know, can't, can't be on their own spiritual path or who uh, engage in, in substance use can't, can't be in a spiritual path. It's yeah. just for me, I needed to kind of clear myself of them. Yeah. Um, I'm very Pisces. I've got a lot of Pisces stuff going on. So for me, it just creates more fogginess. <laughs> yeah. It creates more confusion in life. And I think to open yourself up spiritually makes you more sensitive uh, to those things, to what you're putting in your body, whether it be food uh, and the kind of lifestyle that you're living. Um, even in that week as well, I've been working in retail for three years and just like in a day, I was like quit. Like I can't even work my notice because I can't waste another day yeah. <laughs> uh, in retail. For me personally, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a career path for me. Um, and I think everybody thought I was like going crazy that week, you know, they were like, oh, he's yeah. moving to the city after <laughs> living out in the country, quitting his job, changing his diet, like getting sober. Some of it was super positive. Um, yeah. But I think on the outside, a sort of awakening can look a bit um, terrifying to, to other people because uh, it can be sort of uh, a catalyst, if you like. It can be quite drastic. Yeah, but not only that, you know, I would imagine that you would have had to change your social circle, that you would have had to almost answer to people yeah. who wanted you to be the old Caleb. And you're like, no, I'm not, I don't know what's happened, but I'm not the same person. How did you sort of decide to do that? Did it take an element of bravery and courage? And not only that, but being able to maintain who you truly are and, and walk that path? You're like super intuitive and, and psychic with where you go with the questions because I'm like, oh, now she mentions it. Like, yeah, I did drop the best friend who was not a good influence that week. <laughs> That's why I um, have this job. Crazy. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it did become, uh, I think I handled it well because I was eating well and I was, you know, practicing things that I was interested in and kind of living a good life. But it did become very lonely uh, yeah. because I lost my friend group and I didn't really... 
know many people who were kind of taking an interest in, in the same things that I was taking in. So I would say that year was kind of like, you know, finding my new self, if you like, before I'm ready to, to share that with other people. Um, but it can be incredibly isolating. And I think anybody uh, in the spiritual industry can kind of relate to that. It's like the more aware you become uh, of the world, you know, the more kind of detached you feel from it almost yeah. uh, just because a lot of people don't go about um you know seeing things as they are in the world they're kind of detached themselves um and yes. then when you kind of open your eyes it can be scary uh, and also super isolating if you don't if you're not surrounded by like-minded people yeah no i agree with that there's only so many people that you can talk to about fairies and elementals and angels being real and things <laughs> like that right oh i do want to ask you a question there's actually lots of them they, yeah okay they, they are out there. You just have to that's right well that's what social media is actually really good for because you can find your people on there pretty easily just put in the right hashtagging you'll be good so i do have a question i can't help but notice that when i look at your style you're wearing um dark i don't know if there's like some sort of um it looks almost like dragon swan kind of character you've got a tattoo on your i think they're yeah, i think they're cool. pelicans oh um, pelicans. Birds, but they they're do kind of look they do kind of look spirit like it kind of looks like a pelican spirit all over yeah, they do you've got a tattoo on your on your hand which doesn't matter you've got um you know a nose ring and that what do we call this again that kind of piercing i can't remember right now it's a septum uh septum septum ring, piercing. Yeah. so i guess in a way you yeah. look very on brand for what a cool palm reader would look like but i think do you <laughs> ever feel sort of sometimes pressured that when you're a spiritual person that you you can't swear and you need to wear white all the time and you need to be like just super nice to everybody and kind do you ever find that there's this sort of mold that spiritual people feel pressured maybe initially maybe you never had to deal with this but i mean i like to swear and yet sometimes i feel as though as a spiritual person maybe i could choose different words so do you ever feel that pressure as well or have you just been able to really just truly embrace who you are and it's you know after you made that change of course yeah i mean the the thing about the way i dress i mean i don't own white i i can't think of a white piece of clothing that i own i just don't have it yeah. um you know as a child i remember going to school at nine years old wearing a marilyn manson t-shirt like that has always been yeah. uh, my style <laughs> yeah. and i think uh for some people that can be intimidating you know if you're always in black and you're kind of tattooed and, and piercings and all that stuff but for me along with spirituality, divination, witchcraft, all that kind of stuff, for me, it was like a place of power because, you know, as a child, even in Scotland here, uh, I think a lot of people get confused about where I am because I kind of neutralize my accent. There's no point in me speaking Scottish or, or nobody would know it. <laughs> right. Also, we're, we're pretty foul-mouthed in Scotland, so I feel like when I change up the accent, it kind of balances things out with, um, with the way I speak and maybe not swearing all the time. Um, but I've always dressed like this. I think I always will. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's about finding power in your difference because I was kind of othered as a child. Um, even in Scotland, yeah. we have a higher percentage of redheads, but we're still like less than 5%. <laughs> oh, wow. And, you know, I was kind of bullied in school for many, many reasons. And I just kind of thought, well, if I'm going to be different, then I might as well enjoy it. Um, yeah. And I was always kind of drawn to, I guess you could say the darker, um, you know, not just spiritually, but in, in fashion as well. Um, yeah. I think I learned to be well spoken uh due to due to my career probably from years in retail because oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to be clear when you work in retail 
but yeah, I do, I do definitely change the way I speak when I'm, say, doing an interview or uh, doing a reading or teaching. Uh, it's mm -hmm. not really the me that you'll get in the, in the evening. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's good, though, because it means that you're adaptable and plus you're in, you know, in the service industry in a way, if you're learning to read people's or if you are reading people's palms and you're telling them about their future and things Absolutely. Like it's very, it's very um, person centered. Yeah. Yeah. And you also need to you need to be somebody that people feel comfortable being vulnerable with and also receiving information mm -hmm. from. And so you would need to have a certain ability to be able to shift into the person that they need you to be to, to resonate with them. So let's talk now about your interest into palmistry because that's really um, one of the main reasons why mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to you today. How did you first get interested in palmistry did you look at the lines on your hands and think what are these even for did someone give you a book once did you get a powerful reading how did it start i've always been interested in the hands because um i have a lot of lines in the hand i mean they're pretty wrinkly uh, and i do think that i was given the majority of palmistic lines that can be seen you know some people have the basic three some people have like 20 odd lines in their hands <laughs> I think I was given, you know, the majority of them to, to kind of learn from that, but I didn't actually stumble into palmistry until kind of I was 22. Again, we're going back to that age. Yeah. Um, and I've been reading tarot for maybe five years, something like that. Um, and it was when I was visiting my auntie, uh, who's my great auntie, she's 84. She's still around, she's still kicking. She's, she's really cool, aquarium lady. Um, she's a very kind of superstitious lady and she loves to read omens. Um, you know, everything has a meaning. Like if, you, if you've got an itchy foot, you scratch your foot, you're going to walk on strange ground. Um, <sighs> drop a knife in the kitchen, there's going to be a man coming into your life, all that kind of stuff. Just It can be silly, but sometimes it's quite serious as well. Oh, wow. um, and she had given me a deck of cards that were her grandmother's and she called them, uh, well, she called them tarots because she, <laughs> she don't pronounce it right. <laughs> but she called them tarot cards. They're not really, they were like old fortune cards. Uh, and they belonged to her grandmother, who was a, a fortune teller uh, in Fife, which is kind of north of where I am. Um, and she started kind of telling me all these stories about palmistry and, and tea leaf readings, you know, at her grandmother's dinner table. Mm. And it kind of, the, the hands especially fascinated me. Um, you know, I did take up tea leaf reading a little bit, but it's, it's a lot of work for maybe not as much, not as much stuff there. Um, but when I take an interest, I, I go really deep into things. And so I ended up reading a couple hundred books <laughs> oh, wow. on, on palmistry. Um, yeah, just like scouring the internet, any, anywhere that I could get information on palmistry, I was kind of like eating it up just because I found it so fascinating. And then at the same time, I was studying astrology. And when I realized the two were very connected, um, and it's a very untapped connection, I think because a lot of people don't use the uh, not that there's one right kind of astrology, but there's only one that I really see working well with palmistry, and it's the oldest kind. Um, I think that I had to kind of bring that back and bring that back to, to public awareness and attention, because um, I can't believe that it's been overlooked for so long. I mean, palmistry has been around for 4,000 years. <laughs> astrology, yeah. you know, also around for thousands of years. And every kind of palm reading sign or palm reader sign you see, it's usually a hand with the planetary symbols in the palm and the zodiac signs in the fingers. Oh, you're um, right. No one's done a real kind of study of how a person's astrology manifests their hand. I don't think there's a lot of books on there about that, uh, which yeah. is why I want to write about it. <laughs> 
Yeah, and we will let the listener at home know as well at the end of our conversation where they can get a hold of you because, mm-hmm. as I mentioned off the top, you do have a book coming out at some point in the future. So I know people want to get their hands on that. No pun intended, I guess. So uh, I guess I'm wondering when you're talking about <laughs> astrology, it never even occurred to me that astrology and palmistry went together. But you're right. I have seen images before with uh, the zodiacs drawn on the hand and I never made the correlation so how did you sort of make the connection did you was this part of when you were doing all the research or was this did you kind of connect it on your own by knowing about astrology and then reading about palmistry and realizing that they went together a bit of both i mean in in palmistry we divide the hand into different sections or the palm into different sections i should say uh, and the sections are known as mounts, and they are named and characterized after the, the seven personal or seven classical or ancient planets. They're all ancient planets, but I'm talking about the ones that we know about <laughs> that are a little bit closer to us that we see having more of an impact on us astrologically. Uh, so for thousands of years, the hands have already, you know, kind of been named after the planets, the different sections. So for me, it was an obvious connection, but I think yeah. where a lot of palm readers go wrong, or a lot of people who look at it, they say, the Venus in the hand is not necessarily correlating to Venus in the birth chart. Um, and there's there's a handful of ways, again, being funny, there we go. Uh, of uh, astrology showing up in the hands. You know, it can be in the kind of element that shows up in the hands. It can be in the dominant mount. Uh, sometimes that's going to be from influence from a strong zodiac sign or a strong house. Other times it will be a powerful aspect. Um, yeah, it's interesting the ways that it, it can show up. And it doesn't really show up in Placidus, uh, the Placidus system, which is the most popular uh, method of house interpretation in Western astrology. It always shows up in whole sign, (laughs) which is the kind of ancient method uh, where all the houses are equal sizes. Um, I always see correlations and I can see it very quickly. Um, You know, sometimes it will be that a person has a lot of Capricorn in their chart. And they will have a bent middle finger. The middle finger is Saturn and Capricorn is naturally ruled by Saturn. Or someone will have a lot of ninth house placements. You know, the ninth house is ruled by Jupiter and Sagittarius. And so maybe they, maybe their amount of Jupiter is kind of bulked out or the finger is extra long. It's something like that. But it always characterizes itself after the planet, if that makes sense in the hands. Wow. So when you're doing a reading from someone, do you find that you need to do their astrological reading as well to get the most accurate sort of reading for them? Or can you just discern that at you this don't need point to. by just reading the palm? Yeah. You don't need to, but it does help. I mean, yeah. it's cool when people kind of know their own chart, because when I start talking about the dominant planets in their hand, they're like, oh, yeah, I am. I am Gemini. So I guess that makes sense. I am Mercurian. But it's not always as simple as just your sun sign or your star sign. Sometimes it's a little more in-depth to the chart. Um, I think it's interesting to know, and it kind of adds another layer to the reading. But I don't think you have to be an astrologer or no astrology to do, to do palm reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just for me, they both validate each other. And so I do see them both being more scientific. Uh, although there is a spiritual and intuitive element to it, Um, To me, it's evidenced. It really, really is. Um, You know, if you can see the natal chart manifest in the hand, the positions of the planet at your time of birth having an influence on the structure of your hand, um, to me, that's incredible. Um, To me, that's proof and and validation. 
Um, but I want to evidence that for other people. <laughs> yes, of course, because you don't need to prove it to yourself if you already know it to be true. I do want to talk to you in a few minutes about some of the information that you can discern from a palm reading and whether or not if you were to maim your hand, that's going to have a different outcome for you. But before we, we go there, you did mention that you were talking about reading hundreds of books on palmistry. So is something like palmistry, are you able to have your own style when you're reading? or do you kind of have to go, yeah. you do, okay. There is a different tradition of hand reading, I would say all across the world. I mean, palmistry likely originated in India because that's where we have the oldest records of it. It predates Christianity in India by 2000 years, you know, 4,000 years old, it's, it's written in the Vedas, uh, some rules for palmistry. But you get Indian palmistry, you get Chinese palmistry, I do Western palmistry and ad astrological palmistry. Obviously, the Romani uh, or Romani people, uh, people labeled as gypsies, they can have their own traditions, they've traveled with it. Um, there's different schools of thought, and it's even changing more in the modern age, because uh, not a lot of hand readers like to style themselves as a palmist. They, they like to style themselves as a hand analyst or a chirologist, which is kind of like a different system of it uh, that's a little bit more council focused. Um, but yeah, all across the world, there's different kind of traditions, and I think you have to either find the one that works for you, mm -hmm. uh, or even better, be open to them all and take what works from the different traditions. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of Indian palmistry. I find it to be uh, more traditional and a little bit more constricted, but I do think it probably works well in India because they're very traditional in themselves. Yes. Um, you know, it just depends what kind of crack client you're reading for, where you are in the world, what time you're reading at <laughs> history. Yeah. Um, I do think it's gone through a kind of evolution and it's, it's going to keep uh, changing, I think. I love it. So what kind of things can you discern from reading somebody's palm and can it change over time? Mm. Yes, it can change. Um, sometimes the, the lines in the hand kind of change as we do. Um, and for sure, you tend to get more as you get older, just like you get <laughs> more wrinkles anywhere as you get older. <laughs> um, it's kind of like impressions that are left on your hands by life, uh, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. I think, in my experience, it generally takes years for the lines in the hands to change, but it can be done in months. For example, um, if you've got a good lifeline, and I say like, oh, you've got a pretty good lifeline, and you decide to take up smoking 40 cigarettes a day, maybe in six months time, that lifeline ain't gonna be as strong, <laughs> might be weakened or broken. What was the other part of your questions there? Can, can lines change and... Yeah, no, I was just sort of wondering the information that you can find from reading a palm. So you mentioned your lifeline there. So when you're talking oh, yeah. about a lifeline, can you actually tell how long somebody is going to live from their hand? That would freak some people out if they have a short <laughs> lifeline surely yeah most of the time most of the time no if you have a short lifeline don't worry um it doesn't necessarily predict uh, a near-death experience or an early death i think there's a lot of misconceptions about what palmistry is and what palmistry isn't mm -hmm. um the lifeline you know i'd really say is more like your physical constitution uh sometimes you can see uh you know an early exit out of life in the palm if there's a kind of serious sign there but the majority of the time it's going to be about uh, your well-being, your energy levels, uh, sometimes specific health conditions. I think health is a big thing that we do see in palmistry. And although we are not 
medical practitioners, the lifeline, the health line, how are you going to get away from these terms? They mean what they mean, you know? And to me, that is one of the most accurate parts of palmistry. It's not even just with the lines, though. I mean, if you've got Venus in the hand, that's the healthiest planet to have in the hand. If you have Saturn in the hand, it's the unhealthiest planet. And they all have different sort of traits or sometimes health defects associated with them. Along with kind of health in the hands, a lot of what we see is personality. And I think this is something that people kind of shy away from because they think, you know, palm reading, it should surely be fortune telling for, for the future and that's it. But if you look at the old, I love looking at old pictures of fortune tellers from 100 years ago, 200 years ago. <laughs> every, every palmist usually labeled themselves as a character reader. A huge mm-hmm. part of it is character analysis in the same way that astrology uh, is character analysis. And I, I don't want people to undervalue the whole know thyself philosophy i think that's super powerful especially when it's right there in front of you in your hands so personality and health are are two really big ones um love life is another theme that we see we do see guidelines in the hands for for love uh sometimes it's more predictive sometimes it's more advisory it's usually a bit of both Mm -hmm. um but it is different for everybody you know some people have a career line in the hand some people don't if you don't, doesn't mean that you won't have a career. It just means you have to work a bit harder. <laughs> You're not necessarily going to have as much guidance from the hand. But lots of things can be seen in the hand. I mean, talents, um, traumatic experiences can be seen in the hand, big life changes, travel sometimes. But it is different for everybody because, you know, each set of hands is unique to you as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say those are the kind of main themes of, of palmistry that we would see commonly. That's so cool. I do want to talk to you in a few minutes, whether or not you could maybe share an interesting palm that you've read previously. But before we get to that, when you were speaking there, it did make me think about how you can use palm reading to, yeah, capitalize on your strengths or your weaknesses. You were talking about how if you had an element of Saturn in Mm. your hand that you may have difficulty with health. And so knowing that you might need to make more of an effort to eat properly, not smoke, not drink as much. So it's almost in a way what you would also use astrology for. So it makes sense that the two of them really do work so well together. So when you're reading somebody's yeah. palms, do they very often come to you because they're having a conflict of self? They, they want to change their career. They don't know what to do. They need sort of somebody's objective assistance in looking at themselves in a way that's going to empower them to make whatever changes that they need. Yeah, I think it's, it's sometimes similar to tarot. I think a lot of palm, uh, people come for a palm reading simply because it's niche. Um, yeah. you know, it's not done very often. Certainly here in Scotland, I can count on one hand the amount of professional practitioners we have in this country, although we are yeah. a small country. For a lot of people, it is curiosity. Yeah. For some people, um, you know, I had a client say the other day there, you know, I said, do you want to go for astrology, tarot, palm reading, whatever they said, palm reading, I need to know if my life is over, if my life is ruined. <laughs> it can be quite dramatic at times. But I think there, there's such a wide variety of reasons. Sometimes it's love life, sometimes it's career. Uh, other times it will be health. And I'm always really careful about that one, because it's not my place to, to diagnose, you know, I'm uh, an illness, I'm not a medical practitioner. But I do think by illuminating the parts of the body, Uh, that you need to kind of focus more on and maybe give some holistic advice around that you know that can be that can work in conjunction uh with western western medicine and western thought yeah i think i think you should come at it from from multiple angles to try and achieve wellness 
I think that you know, looking at your career as uh, in the service or in the um, in the retail industry, you would have had to understand how to, you know, speak with people and be really approachable with people. So I would imagine that in this industry that you're in now, that that would be a, a normal part of your job. It would be difficult for you sometimes. I would get to to read somebody's palm and maybe see something that you need to tell them and then figure out the most empowering way to tell them something that might not be positive. So did you kind of learn to do that, you know, by having to go through some difficult conversations and learn how not to do it? Or have you just been naturally good at that? And how do you deliver that sort of information? If you do see a health warning, you sort of say, mm -hmm. I'm not a health expert, but I would check this out. I mean, that would freak people out, you would think. Yeah. I think um, for me, I definitely grew on those skills, but yeah. even as a child and especially as a teenager, I was always that person that people came to for advice. Um, you know, even if my own life was a shit show, I was good at kind of <laughs> delegating <laughs> what other people should do with their life. <laughs> Not that I ever tell people what to do, but I've always been that kind of uh, listener and kind of like a mm -hmm. mirror, if you like, for people to kind of sort out their, their problems. Um, which is what the hand can be. It can be a soundboard, uh, same with tarot cards, anything like that. I did work in retail for years. I also studied counseling. I studied holistic therapy. I worked in social care. Uh, I worked in catering. I worked in uh, hair salons. Like I, <laughs> I developed a whole bunch of people skills, uh, you know, over a, a variety of industries. And I, I do think that helped. I do think that I have a kind of soft character, especially when I'm reading for people. And I never try to sell bad experiences as a positive one but i do try and let people know you know you can you can control your life and this isn't in your hands to condemn you it's there to help you hopefully it kind of saves you from it and you can avoid the experience if not we can take advice from it we can learn from it yes. um you know i wish i'd found palmistry a lot sooner because i think <laughs> i think it would have um you know saved me from a few experiences but i value those experiences now yeah. uh, as learning um, and I think that's what we have to do. We can't be so regretful or hate where we are. We just have to look forward again, um, which is part of what divination and fortune telling is. It's almost like planning your future as well as predicting it. Because um, if you can get to know the sort of outcome of something, then the more likely you are able to, to sway it. Um, it's not easy to change the lines in your hands, but you can do it just as the same. It's not easy to change your life path, but it, you are capable of it. Um, yeah. and your hands to reveal your, your capabilities to some degree. Because we do have free will at the end of the day. That's why we're That's here, we yeah. have free will. Just as you brought up free will, you asked the question earlier of which hand do you read? There's, I yes, think so the most common interpretation, <laughs> yeah, the most common interpretation is not the one that I use, um, but the most common interpretation for which hand do you read is that your writing hand, which for most people, the majority will be the right hand, uh, is your free will. You know, it's the hand that you use, so it's the hand that you create with, whereas the passive hand, for me, I'm right-handed, it would be the left hand, um, that more reveals the traits that you kind of inherit in life, fate, mm. if you like, um, or what you can't change. Personally, I'm not of that mindset. <laughs> I, do, I do appreciate that um, outlook, but for me, the hand that you write with is your public hand. It's how other people perceive you, whereas your passive or non-dominant hand that is more personal to you that's just the way i view it i do i, I do value all kind of outlooks on it um some people will say one hand is past the other is future i think both reveal both i think there's a timeline in each hand for past present future uh, and it just depends what age that you're at really 
I guess it would be the same with tarot, though, because you would have a, a card, you know, like the nine of swords might mean something to you that's completely different than somebody else, even though you're using the same, you know, sort of deck or you're using the tarot structure that you would have significant meaning for different things. So it makes sense that you would, you know, I guess it goes back to the, the question I was asking earlier about developing your own style, that you have your own way of reading mm -hmm. hands and as long as you're yeah. getting the information that's seemingly accurate, it doesn't really matter the way that you're reading them, as long as, you know, the information that you're giving is working for your client. I, I do think that's that's a good point. Um, for me, I think the accuracy of palm reading came in for me when I really found a structure that worked, though. Yeah. Um, you know, I really do sing the praises of, of Western palmistry just because the main the main reason is because of the timeline on the hands. Um, in Western palmistry, specifically the Benham tradition, and a newer book by Ellen Goldberg and Dorian Virgin, I think her name is, that's, that's the leading field, leading book in the field right now, The Art and Science of Handreading. But it did come from this Benham tradition, The Laws of Scientific Handreading, written about the year 1900. I find that to be so accurate in, in terms of timing, that's why I subscribe to the tradition. <laughs> mm -hmm. And also, astrologically, it makes sense. Um, the Saturn line in the hand in the, um, in the Benham tradition crosses the headline at age 30. Um, and that's usually a time that kind of shakes you up. And astrologically, that's known as Saturn return, Saturn return. age 28 to 30 uh, period. Yeah. Um, so for me, it works not only accurately uh, in terms of timing, but it also mirrors astrology far too closely for me not to latch on to the, <laughs> the Western uh, scientific hand reading tradition. I love it. So let's, I really want to ask that question that I sort of posed earlier, I alluded to earlier about maiming your hand. What if you maim your hand or you maim a finger or something like that? Does that have any effect on your ability to read that person or does it shift or change their future or the way that they look at themselves, for example? It's interesting because um, I had someone attend on uh, Saturday, uh, and I think they were missing four fingers. They've been in an accident. I won't go into details about that. Um, but it means that I couldn't read the fingers. And this is another point to make. It's not just a palm reading. It really is a hand reading. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I normally start by reading the fingernails. So if you don't have fingernails, I won't be reading them. <laughs> right. um, the fingernails, the fingers, the uh, color of your hands, the skin texture on the back, the lines in the hands, the shape of the palm, it's all going to tell you something. Um, wow. And if someone has scars or injuries, it can change things in terms of the palm reading. You know, you might have to miss something out. But there's also been times where I've kind of read it as an omen. You know, it's not necessarily going to be that the scar will show up on the age on the lifeline uh, of which you had that accident. But like, I have seen that. <laughs> I've seen it work in like a myriad of ways. And it's, it's so interesting the way, uh, the different ways that you can read injury in the hand. There's only been one time where I haven't been able to read, and it was through an extreme medical condition um, that only five families in the world carry. Um, and the lady's hands shed so much skin every day, she didn't have lines. Uh, and her yeah. fingers were all kind of swollen and, and puffy. Um, that was the only time out of thousands of, of hands, uh, you know, I could not read because there was nothing to read there in terms of hands. We did tarot yeah. cards instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, that's so fascinating. How easy is it to read your own palm? Because I, I sort of, I got my first tarot deck when I was 13 and then I gave it up probably a few years later because I was not able to read my own tarot. I was just looking at doom and gloom the whole time. I could not flip it around. <laughs> do you read your own hand and can you do so objectively 
or or like you're talking about before is it actually an opportunity for you to be empowered by the information that's there i think both um i think if you are gonna read your own hand uh then finding that tradition where it's more uh literal i guess rather than open to interpretation although intuition is great um and having your own kind of experiences and ideas about what, what's going on in the hand is great i think it's important to have an objective tradition um you know where this means that at this age and that's what it means for you sort of thing mm -hmm. um so if you are reading your own palm i would say find a kind of solid tradition that you're confident with you know reading your own palm is one of the best ways to learn especially if you've got a lot of lines um, or even mm -hmm. if you don't have a lot of lines kind of focusing on on the one ones you do and learning to uh, how to work with less, if you like. I think it's important to remain objective, and that's sometimes difficult if there's something negative in the palm. You know, some people can kind of freak out or panic over that. But again, just remember that the the hands can change, and they're not there to condemn you or doom you to to a fate. They are there because they're they're speaking to you. They're designed quite intelligently <laughs> to to give you help, the advice that you need. And sometimes that comes as a prediction, um, whether it be good or bad. Um, you know, not everything we see in the hands is a warning sign. <laughs> Some yeah. of it's really nice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you know you were really good at this? No, I had no idea. Well, I can see it here in your hand. All of a sudden, a career change for that person. They meet the person of their dreams going down that path. It's, yeah, I would imagine it would be pretty amazing. So what are some of the most yeah. common patterns that you see? Do you do you often see a very similar makeup? You said you read you've read thousands of palms. So I would imagine that you would see some consistencies. I think so, yeah. Um, I actually see kind of different consistencies through different ethnicities. And I okay. don't think it's uh, a good idea to kind of characterize an ethnicity or, or stereotype an ethnicity. But we do see themes and the kind of structure of the lines uh, in the hands. So that's a kind of interesting, interesting route you can kind of go with it. But yeah. everybody does have different hands. You know, it depends on the kind of planetary mount combinations, uh, the element that we see in the hands that's going to have a big influence. But it, it really does change for everybody. For some people, love will be a big theme in the hand. For some people, it won't. <laughs> uh, usually for the people that, that don't have that in the hand, they're usually pretty single <laughs> a lot of the time. <laughs> um, so it really, it really varies based on life experience, I would say. I think one thing that's great uh, that kind of happened with the pandemics, we're trying to look on the positive side with it, is people are becoming more introspective. And that often means, you know, seeing tarot readers or even looking in their hands and finally wondering, well, what does the what, what does it mean in the palm because i think people do realize to some degree it does indicate life paths you can see changes at certain ages you know what a person is meant to be doing um for example i can often tell if someone is self-employed in the and usually when i say that they'll either say oh yeah i am self-employed or they'll say actually i've been thinking about going self-employed for a while now but i'm, I'm kind of like mm, should i do it and i'm like yes your hands are literally made to be self-employed oh wow <laughs> um so it can be yeah, it can be stuff like, but it's it's so very varied, you know. So would you like if you're looking at your palm now, are there sort of, you know, main lines you talked earlier about the life and the health and the career and the love are those sort of the four main lines that you do see within somebody's palm? Those are like the main There's three themes. major lines that nearly everybody has. Uh, the lifeline is the big famous one. Yes. <laughs> um, I think simply because of the name sounds a little controversial, but that's the round one. It typically starts near your thumb and it curves around that round muscle that moves your thumb called the Mount of Venus and it uh, moves downwards towards the towards the wrist. Usually attached to that or close to that is the headline. 
That's the horizontal one that runs in the middle of the thumb, coming from the same direction by the thumb. Uh, and then there's the heart line, which is kind of like directly below the fingers. And it usually looks like it starts where the pinky is um, and travels towards the, the middle or index finger. But we actually read that the other way. There's a lot of debate on that one. Those are the three main lines that nearly everybody will have. Some people, for some people, the heart line and head line merge and they become a simian line. Uh, it's a very rare line, but I think 50% of people with Down syndrome have it. Um, we also see a lot of politicians having it. Um, and that's people who usually let their heart rule their head or their head rule their heart. Um, the other minor lines are kind of varied. Again, some people will have a Saturn line or career line, some people won't. <laughs> I think it's so cool. I mean, it just goes to show that when you meet different personalities, I mean, people are interested in different things, they gravitate towards different things. So it makes perfect sense that their hands would be reflective of that. Uh, can you kind of share maybe some of the most interesting hands that you've, you've been able to read and maybe some interesting information you're able to garner from that? Or is every hand like you were sort of talking about different and every story is just as interesting as the next? I don't really have like a favorite, a favorite palm in mind. To me, I, I mean, to me, what's interesting is probably not what's interesting to most people, simply because I focus, like for me, the amazing thing is different ways that astrology can show up in the palm <laughs> and yeah. unique ways that astrology has showed up in the palm. Um, so if you're not into astrology or you're not an astrologer, it might not be <laughs> super <laughs> interesting okay. to you, um, especially if you, if you don't know uh, palmistry as well. I'm kind of lost for stories, I guess. No, that's uh, all right. On, on super unique palms, just because I'm like, where, do, where would I pick one from? <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, I kind When you were talking earlier about being able to kind of help guide people, essentially, you know, has anyone come back to you and said, hey, that reading that I got with you, I actually, I went and I did start my own career, you know, my own business and it's going great. Or, hey, that love line that you talked about, I finally found that person. You know, have people come back to you and sort of validated the reading that you've given them before? Yeah, well, I, I would say that, um, you know, if we meet again, most people uh, do appreciate the readings. I think a lot of people get validation instantly because uh, part of what you read is past and present. Part of it is future. And, you know, some people will expect uh, the things that you're predicting in the future, but there's also the unexpected. Um, and it's lovely when you get a, a message uh, saying, you know, oh, I didn't I didn't think that would happen, but thanks for letting me know, because I kind of put a little bit of faith in it and it did sway things my way. That can happen with anything, whether it's palm reading, tarot cards, uh, even astrology. Yeah, they're, they're very kind of interconnected in that way. I think you only really need one palm reading to get the kind of good gist of your life path. Um, but people do do tend to return for palm readings. I always say give it at least a year for a palm reading. You know, tarot is there when you need it. I'd say most people come once a season or, or once or twice a year. But palmistry takes a lot longer to um, present new information. Although you can kind of refer back to the hand, but it's almost what's already there. So if you spend a long time giving a palm reading, if you cover absolutely everything, which is usually what I do when I do online readings, uh, maybe not in person because it would take too long. <laughs> yeah. But if you if you get an online reading, then you have that to kind of refer back to. And I try not to miss anything, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, almost in the same way that if you get your astrology chart read, your natal chart, um, you only really need one. Although it is kind of helpful to maybe get different interpretations, try a different style, a different reader. It is it is kind of like a life chart in a sense. I always say that what's in the hand is is guidelines, and that's usually set up pretty well, even if there are changes but it's going to change as you change again 
Yeah, that's so cool. When we talk about breaks in lines, you know, how some people have a life, a life, their lifeline, and there's a break in it. Does that normally yeah, mine signify? Does. Mine does. does yours? Yeah, mine does too. Big ass break. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that yeah. mean? What does that mean? Does it mean there's a big change? And what if you have a break in the health line as well? Does that mean some kind mm. of ailment? Are breaks normally a transition of some kind? Health lines are interesting because it's actually better if you don't have one. So if someone's like, oh my God, I don't have a health line. I don't have health. It's actually a good thing because health, line, health lines usually come as a, uh, a warning, I guess you could say, oh. not to scare anybody, but they usually come with advice, like, you know, look out for your digestive tract or your liver um, or, you know, wh whatever part of the body it is, really. A break in the lifeline can mean, it usually does mean a kind of big life change. Mm. Um, it can be a, a pretty big jump. And you're going to want to look to see if there's a little repair line between between the breaks and also see how big the break is, because the bigger ones tend to be more dramatic. But if it's just a slight break, um, then it can be a slight life change. The lifeline does uh, usually represent your physical constitution. So often that can be, you know, physical difficulties that we encounter with our well-being. Sometimes it's not though. Sometimes it is just one of those difficult times in life. It's a lifeline. Um, you know, it can reveal your physical body. It can reveal your lifestyle. Uh, sometimes it even reveals travel um, and your kind of location of where you're physically going. It is just a line that has to be interpreted as the, the physical realm, not just necessarily your life length or health. Um, although those are some themes which, which can be seen uh, in the lifeline. But if you have a broken line at a certain age, especially if you've not reached that age yet, um, remember you can repair it and there's things that you can do to, to repair it. The thing that I work noticing best for the lifeline, I guess there's always going to be a big focus there because that's what people are most concerned about yes. <laughs> is, their, is their lifeline. But I think we should be grateful because it's honestly the easiest line to change. It's much more difficult to change one of the one of the other lines. It does take a lot of effort, um, but it is the one that I see changing the most depending on what you're putting in your body. Um, I mean, me personally, I think do what works for you. For me, being vegan works best for me, especially mm -hmm. living on a diet of, say, root vegetables and ripe fruits, kind of organic foods and grains. But even if you don't want to take that kind of lifestyle route, there's other things that you can do. Deep breathing and alkalize your body. I'm a big fan of the Wim Hof method to kind of boost your immune system. Meditation, regular exercise. Also, anything to do with Venus. The lifeline is this kind of round uh, line that starts where the thumb is and ends uh, near the wrist. And this big ball, this big muscle that moves the thumb kind of inside the lifeline is known as the Mount of Venus. Um, and I do think that having a prominent Mount of Venus will give you a, a deeper or better lifeline. Venus is all about sensuality. You know, it's about enjoying food, enjoying music, enjoying uh, sex as well. Anything kind of sensual to the body, aromatherapy, um, all these things that really put you in touch with your body and ground and give you that that good feeling. Um, that's going to help your lifeline as well. So get into the Venusian. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. I love that. I was just thinking while you're talking about it, I'm looking at my own hand and trying to give myself a reading here, which is so cool. I know our listener at home is doing that as well. When you look at the lines of the well, hands. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it's a little difficult to give yourself a palm reading based on just what we're saying, but I will yeah. let you all know a little trick right now that's kind of fun. Um, yeah. And it's something that people don't expect in, in palmistry. I suppose it's more hand analysis, but I, I do see it just being so accurate. The more flexible your hand, and when I say flexible, I mean, just take your fingers 
and see if they can bend back past the palm. You're not trying to hurt yourself, but it typically, the more flexible your hand, the more flexible your mind. I always say to people, think about when, um, so if you, if you take one of your hands and then take the other hand and just kind of press back on the fingers to see if they, if they push back. Yeah, yours are, yours are really flexible actually. <laughs> Tends to be the more flexibility we have in the hand. Yeah. tends to be the more flexible we are with our hands the more open-minded we are and I think that's mm. because there are more nerves in your hands connected to your brain than any other part of the nervous system the thumb is especially good to read with this if your thumb is flexible and when I say flexible I just mean that the thumb bends back it's kind of like a bendy thumb um, mm. if you've got a bendy thumb that usually indicates you know a kind of liberal attitude people who are generous um, there's usually a love for small furry animals. It's a kind of kindness character. Whereas if the thumb is, uh, we call it like a stubborn thumb, if the thumb doesn't bend back and it's kind of rigid in its place at the, at the joint, we'd call that a stubborn thumb because usually it's a stubborn personality. Um, it's not all bad. They're usually pretty reliable people, you know, dependable. They kind of stick up for what they believe in, but they're maybe a little bit more rigid in their, in their beliefs. Uh, so there's a strength that kind of comes with that. So flexibility is a kind of fun thing to, to look into. One of my thumbs bends more than the other one and the other one doesn't. And I have both of those qualities. So it's like my inner self is flexible and blah, blah, blah. But my outer self still sticks up for what I want. So it's it's a fascinating thing to, to look at. It's very cool. I like that you've latched onto my interpretation of the hands, you know, inner and outer. That's a really good way to yeah. put it. <laughs> Personal and public, I always say. <laughs> yeah, it was good. No, it resonated. I thought that was that was interesting. So we are already at the end of our time together. It's insane how this happens. I do have one more question though, because I've been dying to ask this. When you're looking at the yeah. lines of the hands, are they significant of time at all? Because I know that you were talking about yes, when you were definitely. 22, they are. So do you kind of look and can you measure sort of years based on yep. how long the hand is? Okay. Is there a rule of thumb that you yeah. kind of bring in for that? Or how do you interpret that? Do you get a ruler out? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little difficult to explain without a um, without pictures. Uh, again, if you're going to go with uh, with a time interpretation method, I recommend the Benham method, which also features in Ellen Goldberg's book, The Art and Science of Handreading. That's the most popular currently. It's a little hard to explain, but typically the lines that are horizontal, for example, the headline and the heart line, these follow the same finger system. You know, like kind of like halfway through the, the index fingers, age six, end of the index finger, 12, reaching the the middle finger it's age 18 when you get to 30 this is interesting most of the lines in the hand are given more space up till the age of 30 up until the saturn return after the saturn return after age 30 the lines tend to be shorter as if time is speeding up and i think that's because saturn is known as old father time um this is something i really want to talk about and write about as well just because when you turn 30 it seems that time goes faster um, and so I think it's interesting yes. that the first 30 years of a person's life are given more space in the hand. And then after it reaches 30, it's as if time kind of speeds up. So the line, the line speeds up, if that makes sense. It's a fascinating one. It is a fascinating one. And I can attest to that because I'm almost 40 and it does. It's like you look you blink <laughs> and you go, how did that happen? But I mean, there, there is a timeline to, to every line in the hand, which is why I can say, um, you know, oh, tough time in your in your late forties with your love life. Like, yes, found out my husband was cheating, sort of thing, or break in the in the career line at age twenty six. Yeah, that's when I became a blah 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 and left my old career, sort of thing. 
Um, so that's that's pretty validating. I think the the timeline is is pretty great with it. The timeline works better on the larger lines. If you are looking at something like I call them love lines, a lot of people will call them lines of affection, traditionally known as marriage lines. Mm -hmm. I do think you have to be a little bit more intuitive with those ones because they are smaller lines and I don't necessarily think that they always match up in terms of time. They're actually on the side of the hand. They're not even kind of directly in the palm. So be careful with those ones. Don't invest in those ones too much. The larger lines are really uh, the meat. They can be read in a more realistic or literal uh, fashion. Um, but smaller lines, little influence lines, especially if they involve other people, um, you always have to be, I would say, a little bit more experienced or even psychic to, to read them properly. Right, because they also have free will too. <laughs> so there's a lot at play yeah. there. Yeah. And remember, it's different in both hands, your, your personal yeah. experience and public experience. Um, or other people's experience is is going to differ. But sometimes it matches up in both hands. You know, you'll see two strong relationship or love lines and there'll be, you know, two marriages. Um, an interesting one that I do remember is someone, uh, it was my last client of the day at the busiest event ever, the witch market. We're going to do another one this year. Um, but they had seven relationship lines and they were so close together. I was like, that's, that's not, uh -huh. you know, average. Um, and they were like, yeah, I'm polyamorous. So it kind of, it makes sense, you know? <laughs> Um, and I don't think they had seven partners right then or there, but there was certainly, there was more love lines there. Um, there was more lines of affection because of their style of love, their style of affection. Um, that's one that really kind of, that's a hand that really kind of interested me in the past. I'd like to see more uh, love lines like that just because it was interesting, you know, yeah. it was offbeat, it was unusual in the yeah. best way. <laughs> Yeah, that's so cool. Well, I've loved talking to you. Thank you so much, Kalem, for your time. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to bring up? And also for our listener at home who's like, I want to do an online palm reading. How can they get a hold of you? Obviously, I'll put all your links to everything in the show notes as well. Sure. We covered some good ground. Um, I think it's a little difficult to condense palmistry into an hour or even soundbite it I think a lot of people think it's going to be wishy-washy and quick but it's not like it, it's no. very much detailed we look at every part of the hand in detail um so I think we we covered stuff pretty good um if anybody wants a palm reading I'm available in person in, in Edinburgh and uh, Scotland or online I normally do it by email um, and there's a good reason for that. I think it's great to read back on because there is a volume of information and mm. um, having that with sort of diagrams of your hands, which I, I will make, I need some, some pictures of your hands. Um, I think it's great to, to look back and, and read on that. Um, but people can get in touch through social media, Facebook or Instagram. It's uh, fortune by Calum, uh, fortune by at gmail.com, the email. I do have a website, but that's gonna be changing. Uh, probably in the next month or two, fortunebykalem.com. But yeah, any of the socials or email are great to get in touch with. Um, and if someone does want a video call, like I'm not against that, we can we can certainly do it. But I do need pictures of the hands regardless. We can't be holding up the webcam and, and hoping yes. for the best. <laughs> yeah, I always give example pictures and instructions because uh, I do need multiple photos, eight in total. Uh, four pictures of each hands from from different angles, different parts of the hand. That's so great. Well, where can people find out when your book is coming out? Just again, follow you on socials and get ready uh, for the updates. Yeah, I it's taking a lot longer than I expected. I would have loved to have had it <laughs> had it out by now, um, but I'm actually still writing it. I'm hoping that I'm finished writing by Halloween. Christmas is my kind of deadline. I'm a little unsure of whether I want to self-publish or or go with a publisher. Um, I'm going to be talking with some author friends about that. 
um, just because I've been approached by a couple of publishers and I'm, I'm just not sure of which is best for me right now. But I do hope to have a solid answer on that by the new year. So stay, stay tuned for social media updates on that. <laughs> Hopefully quicker, but like this, this does take a lot of time. You know, it's a pretty uh, in-depth in -depth book and with working as well, it's just trying to find the time and find the inspiration. I definitely am yeah. um, affected astrologically of when I can write <laughs> and when I can. <laughs> well, and good things are worth waiting for. And sometimes you find new information or a new angle if you, you know, if you do wait on stuff, so. Yeah. The other thing is I will be so... Last year, I taught my first uh, palmistry course. Uh, it was seven classes over seven weeks. And I think I'm going to keep that style because it worked pretty well. Uh, they're up to an hour each. And I am amending it a little bit. The first course went great. Um, everybody was happy with it. But there's always improvements that you can do whenever you've run something for the first time. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to be running another palmistry course in November. Uh, you know, so you can join in November, hopefully be a palm reader by Christmas. <laughs> And, and Taro as well. I'm going to be running a course for that. Uh, again, just stay tuned on social, social media for the dates and the updates on that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hi. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.